It was a beautiful sunny day, and young Judy Starr found herself in the Caribbean on board a boat, and it was there she met someone. It was a perfect setup for romance. We were in a beautiful port in Guadeloupe, a charming little port, and we were on the deck of the boat, and the boat was rocking gently and the, the waves, and the sun was absolutely gorgeous, and I just revealed to him that I was really interested in possibly pursuing something with him and wanted to know how he felt. Oh, the excitement of romance. But there was a problem. Judy Starr was married, and the man she was talking to wasn't her husband. We're going to talk about the real dangers of not appreciating your spouse on this edition of Family Life This Week. Welcome to Family Life This Week. I'm Michelle Hill. Okay, I want you today to put on your imagination caps, and maybe for you, this won't be so hard. You like imagining scenarios, kind of like me. I always live in dreamland, or maybe not. Okay, so there's this husband and wife, George and Amelia. They've been married for five years, and this year, George was going to get Valentine's Day right. So he plans this wonderful evening. There's soft lights. There's roses. There's this romantic restaurant, the whole nine yards. And he thinks he's done. He's planned this beautiful evening, but he's forgotten the most important thing. In the conversation with her that evening, he forgot to remind her that he loves her and how much he appreciates her. You know, when you said your vows, if you're married, you promise to love, honor, cherish, and all those words that give you that warm feeling inside. But then there's till death do us part. Still good. You meant those words too. And you meant those words with all of your heart and you expected your spouse to do the same. You promise to always be there. You expect the same in return. I mean, come on. You said vows and they said vows. The person you married will always be available. In fact, they've become so available that you've started to take them for granted. And one of the most fundamental things that we humans want, we want to be seen. We want to be noticed. We, we want to know that we matter. And appreciation is an important part of that. Okay, so today we're going to talk about taking your spouse for granted, you know, not appreciating them. And if you happen to be single or don't have a spouse, maybe you've felt taken for granted by a friend or a parent or even a child. Case in point, Doyle Roth thought that he was appreciating his wife. He was this hard-driven businessman, and, well, he was providing for his wife. So that proves that he appreciates her and he loves her, right? Well, he wrote a book called Oops, I Forgot My Wife. And here he is explaining to Dennis Rainey and Bob Lapine where that title came from. Well, really, the title is my story. Uh, Oops, I Forgot My Wife. That really summarizes the early part of our marriage. We did not do well. I was involved in my businesses. I was involved in uh, even Christian work. But I was not paying attention. I made assumptions about my wife. I took her for granted. And the end result was that she eventually said to me, Bob, I hate your God because he has taken you away from me. Well, that's a pretty hard statement for someone to hear. But that's really what happened. I was ignoring her. And 
that was devastating to our relationship. How many years in before you had the kind of confrontation where she said, I hate your God? This has been about five years into our marriage. And and was there was there conflict or was it just this growing isolation? It was a little bit of both, but there was conflict. And uh, I was raised in a home where raising your voice was pretty typical. And uh, uh, so that conflict did ensue and there were problems as a result of that. There was a time in my life then where we decided that we needed to have some help. And uh, there was a man in Colorado Springs by the name of Jim Wright who was familiar with our church and we went to him for help. So you weren't a stubborn, dug-in husband when your wife said, we've got issues, you said, well, let's get help? Well, no, I was stubborn and dug in, but the problem was my family life really affected the spiritual life. We weren't together. I mean, it was hypocritical for me to be out talking about what God can do in your life and then come home to a crying wife or a wife that's upset with me. That was so hypocritical. I just had to face reality. Did you realize that your marriage needed some help before your wife really waved the flag hard at you? Or did you think, this is just some bumps and they'll smooth out? No, I just just think I was wrapped up in my own affairs. I I became, in a sense, Bob, an image manager. Hmm wanting to try to have everything look good on the outside, when inside I I knew things weren't right, but there were other things more important. It was all outside. It was, I didn't pay attention to her. Mm-hmm. Was there a point in your relationship when the pain finally got your attention? I mean, was there a kind of a collision of uh, all these uh, crises that you were experiencing that said to you, you know what, you got a major problem, and if you don't fix this, you're going to have an even bigger problem. Right. Well, yeah. The term pain doesn't fit me as well, Dennis. What fits me is what really happened in the way of a Bible verse. I remember a distinct time when God drove into my heart and into my head uh, the Ephesian passage, Ephesians 5, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, that was a major turning point in my thinking about how marriage should be conducted because it couldn't be based on how I feel. It's based upon what I should do. And it was a commitment that I had made to my wife when we got married that I was going to love her. But so many Christians are familiar with those Bible verses, but they don't apply them to their Christian lives. Mm -hmm. And I was a perfect illustration of that sort of hypocrite. I could quote that verse, but at my home, I was not one who was doing that, sacrificially, totally caring for my wife. I was not doing that. If your marriage had gotten out of sync, did it drift back into sync, or was there a point where you sat down with Nancy and said, you know, I've realized some things. I've not been the husband I need to be. You confessed, you asked for forgiveness. Was there a moment like that? Well, yes, there was many moments like that, but there was only a few where I really meant it. (laughs) You know, I see so many couples go through this drill in my office. They go through the I'm sorry thing, and yet they turn right around a week or two later, they're right back into the same pit. There was really never the repentance that I think comes with godly sorrow. I just realized that my life needed to change, and there was a godly sorrow before the Lord I was not doing what God wanted me to do. Hmm. And the end result was that I had to make some changes. I had to repent and then go on. Yeah, you know, as you've talked about this story, I kind of hear some of that, that it's intellectual mm-hmm. and that the heart, the heart had to ultimately play catch up. 
Yeah, there's a sense in which that's true. Before you actually begin to feel certain things for your wife. And it's not the most romantic thing in the world to go to your wife and say, you know, sweetheart, I'm going to love you whether I feel like it or not. No, and it didn't make her feel very good either. Yeah. But the feelings were something that we experienced later on in our marital journey. You feel more in love after you intellectually are confronted by this is what God tells you to do as a Christian man, and this is what you need to be doing. Did you have no need of her? Would she have described you as a self-sufficient man? I think so. I think she would have. That's Mm -hmm. kind of what I'm hearing. No, I think that's true. I was self-sufficient. I'd be self-absorbed. You could go right down the list. Self-righteous, self-willed. I think all of those things, and that's really the essence of why the Elf's book came into being was because self-centeredness has historically been such a huge part of my spiritual journey. Well, let's, to wrestle with let's just take a step back and let's say there's a Nancy listening to us right now, or maybe maybe it's a, a Doyle who's, mm-hmm. who's married to a wife who's totally preoccupied with self, totally self-centered like you've described yourself. Right. What coaching would you give them in, in terms of attempting to be God's woman or God's man in that marriage? All right, if they're biblical people, and many of the people that come are biblical people, I think they have to be confronted with, for example, Mark chapter 8, Luke chapter 9. If any man is going to be my disciple, he must deny self. There's a real issue biblically for the self-life. And that's the message that I think men need to hear from my story, and they need to read from the book. It's unless we're willing to part with that, we've got some spiritual issues. So if Nancy's listening right now, Mm-hmm. Does she go to her Doyle and say, you know what, sweetheart? Your problem is you don't deny yourself. I think that's true. It would certainly be in my case. My Nancy would agree with that. Well, would, if she had come to you and said, yeah. you know, I've diagnosed what's wrong with you, you're just not dying to self like the Bible says. And yeah, now, Bob, you got to understand you're talking to a pretty hard-headed guy here. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I probably I, wouldn't have listened to her back then. I, I, but, I, got, but, I got a feeling that some of the, the women who are listening to us right now are married to hard-headed men, and a few, a few men are married to hard-headed women. They are, and that's why it's important for the Spirit of God to do something in the man's life. It's not just a wife that nags him to death. It's really that he exposes himself to this is what God teaches. And in my, in my work with couples, one of the things I find consistent is that we know the verses, but we do not apply them. And we can apply them outside the home. We become good churchmen. People love us. We're happy and all of those different things. But in the home, we're different people. And unless we confront what God says and submit ourselves to what God says, we're on a tough road and our wives are sort of stuck. It's about submitting to God. It's about leaning into Him. That's Doyle Roth talking with Dennis Rainey and Bob Lapine on an interview on Family Life today. And you know, Doyle doesn't take his wife for granted anymore. And that's good news for Nancy. They've been married for over 40 years. And while he's still a businessman, he also does some marriage counseling on the side. You can hear more of that conversation on our website. Go to familylifethisweek.com. That's familylifethisweek.com. For some of you, taking someone for granted might seem like a light thing. For others, it might be really heavy because that's where you're walking right now. And you know, if you're not receiving appreciation, it can almost be like this thorny weed that grows up between the two of you. 
And you want to reach over there, but it's just too thorny and painful. And quite frankly, too complicated. And at Family Life, we call that marital isolation. Well, we're going to hear a story when we come back from Judy Starr about isolation and the dangerous journey that it can easily take someone on. I want you to stay tuned. We'll be back in two minutes. I'm wondering, how much is your mate worth to you? For Family Life Blended, here's Ron Deal. According to Proverbs 19.14, we might inherit a house and wealth from our ancestors, but a prudent wife, it says, is from the Lord. You know, sometimes it's easy to get caught up in the riches of life, our stuff, and what it's worth. But when that comes at the expense of valuing our mate, we're losing sight of what matters. A wise and loving mate is to be valued, honored, and appreciated. She needs to know that you value her, and God desires to hear your gratitude for his provision. Keep an eternal view on what you have. Your stuff will be passed to the next generation, but love will be carried into eternity. For Family Life Blended, I'm Ron Deal. To find out more, visit FamilyLifeBlended.com. You've got this whole marriage thing down. Yeah. I mean, you remember everything. You get her gifts. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's that's a great idea. And if you were to get her a gift... I would get her favorite flowers, obviously. Which are? Daisies. Was it daffodils? Maybe doilies? Those are flowers, right? Okay, but at least you remember your wedding vows. That's all that really counts. I take thee to hold and cherish is in there. I I know that word. Family Life's Weekend to Remember is a two and a half day getaway for you and your spouse. You'll hear sound biblical teaching from dynamic live speakers. It's a chance to get away, connect with your spouse, and remember what marriage is all about. To find out more about a getaway near you, go to WeekendToRemember.com. You can remember that, right? WeekendToRemember.com. I got it. And can I buy a bouquet of doilies there, too? Welcome back to Family Life This Week. I'm Michelle Hill. So we're talking today about taking your spouse for granted, or if you're not married, taking someone for granted in your life. And you know, one popular piece of advice that marriage counselors give is to not take your spouse for granted. Just because they've been this great stability in your life and you start assuming that they'll always be there and soon you can easily go down this road of, ah, We've arrived. This relationship is really going well. I don't need to put all that work into it anymore, right? Well, that false feeling, that could easily take us down a dangerous journey. I like to think of it as a well-manicured lawn. You know, you look at those lawns out there and you think, oh, they don't need any work. But yet the person who's tending that lawn knows that they're constantly having to clip all the weeds. The root system is pretty deep and pretty rampant. And the basic principle here is the nicer the lawn, the more work that was put into it. And that's quite the same with relationships, too. And sometimes in relationships, it's not just our spouse that's being taken for granted. 
Sometimes it's us taking God for granted. And that's exactly what happened to Judy Starr. Judy Starr and her husband, Sotler, are on staff with Crew, and they've been missionaries for decades. Many years back, they found themselves overcommitted and overworked. They had just finished a big project, and now they were rushing into a new one in the Caribbean. And that is where things kind of went down a dangerous path for Judy. Here's Judy Starr discussing that dangerous path with Dennis and Bob. So I was working very long hours, working late at night, and I would get up in the morning, and to maximize my time, I started skipping time with the Lord because we were on this deadline to get this thing done. So I, when I arrived at the project in the Caribbean, I arrived with somewhat of a hardened heart spiritually because I just had not kept my relationship with the Lord current. And when I arrived there, it didn't take long to realize that there was a real draw and an enticement between the captain of this boat and, and myself. It was very obvious that we had a, quite a connection. He was athletic, I'm athletic, he was a former professional musician, so am I, and so forth. So we just began spending a lot of time talking personally. And there were things that I should have done that I know now in hindsight are great protectors for our marriage, but I chose not to do that. What did you do? Did you uh, go out of your way to try to find times to spend with him? I did. We needed to work one-on-one a lot on the project anyway, just on the sailing itinerary and so forth, but I would spend all my extra time just sitting and talking with him about our background in music. We went scuba diving together. We would swim together, do just a lot of individual things together, and I would sometimes send Stotler off with the film team at night saying, I'm too tired. I've been working so hard. Why don't you take them? And then I would just spend the time on the boat with the captain. You were plotting all that time? Plotting, um, I guess. What, what, now, now, seriously, Judy, it sounded like you said I would send Stotler off with the film team to show the Jesus film to lead people to Christ so you could kind of set up your, your relationship at that point. You know, to be honest, that's true. And when you're when you're doing those kinds of things, you make excuses right and left in your spirit. One of the things I talk about in the book is being honest with ourselves because I chose not to be honest with myself. I was coming up with all the excuses of, oh, I'm tired, I don't want to go, and so I'll just rest on the boat. And, oh, the captain happens to be on the boat too, my, my. And uh, But internally, I knew what I was doing. I knew I was trying to further this relationship. Was the captain a believer? He was. So... He must have sensed early on the same kind of a connection that you sensed. He did. When I made my feelings known, he told me that he felt like I was untouchable because of my husband. He had a great respect for Stotler, and rightly so. But um, when I let him know that the doors were potentially open, then he uh, responded more favorably. How did you let him know your your doors were open? Well, some where towards the end of the project, um, I was in the Caribbean by myself. We had actually traveled back and forth quite a bit from California. Sometimes I would return by myself. Sometimes Stotler and I would both come. This particular trip, I came on my own, and I waited till a time when no one was on the boat and thought through all the ways that I could tell him how I felt and, and revealed that to him. He was really surprised because here I was a missionary in full-time Christian work. I shouldn't be pursuing something like this. But then as we continued to talk, he said he couldn't pursue something like this unless I was single, essentially. And so that got my mind going into, you know, what the possibilities of that were, whether Stutler would die or whether I would divorce or whatever. Well, now, wait a second. I want to back you up to the conversation. You plotted about how you were going to be able to talk with him on the boat when no one was there. 
Correct. So where were you and what did you say? We were in a beautiful port in Guadalupe, a charming little port. So it was romantic. Oh, it was absolutely romantic. The whole project was romantic. You're in the middle of sun and sand and sin, and uh, it's a perfect place for a setup like this. And we were on the deck of the boat, and the boat was rocking gently and the, the waves, and the sun was absolutely gorgeous. And I just revealed to him how I had been feeling and wanted to know if uh, he felt anything the same. How had you been feeling? I told him I was incredibly attracted to him and that I was really interested in possibly pursuing something with him and wanted to know how he felt. And what did you mean, pursue something with him? I just was leaving the door open for his response. But in my own heart, at that point, I was really potentially considering not returning home to my husband. So, bagging your marriage. That's right. Bagging the ministry. And running off with with a sailor in the Caribbean, what led you to that point? I mean... Yeah, it's, it's amazing that someone could get to that point who's in full-time work and has devoted their whole life to seeing the gospel furthered and so forth. It really comes down to just a hardened heart spiritually. And once, I believe, once a woman or a man... But I know for a woman, once we begin pursuing that kind of relationship, spiritually, we just become harder and harder. And the emotions are so incredibly strong. And the desire to be with this person, it's like you're in love all over again, like what you experienced when you first met your husband, that those emotions are so incredibly powerful, you will do almost anything to be with that person. And reason is gone. It's You become like an addict in one sense. You will do anything that it takes to be with that individual. And the sanity of what you're doing, it doesn't make any sense to anyone else, but you're willing to do whatever it takes. You know, your description of that really is a good one because I'm reflecting back on a number of conversations I've had with people who found themselves in the same situation. Mm -hmm. And you're really describing puppy love. It's true. The puppies are just running to and fro. It's a rush. It's addictive. You want to feed it. You're alive again. That's right emotionally in ways you haven't you haven't experienced in a long time. And I've looked into the eyes of both men and women who never, ever in all their lifetimes ever expected to find themselves in that situation. Oh, absolutely. And that's the last thing I expected. I have an incredible husband, one of the most godly men I've ever met in my life. And I was the person that would stand up first and say, I would never be involved with anyone else. At that point, and it's clear in your book uh, that... Their relationship had been purely emotional and connection. That's right. You'd enjoyed a lot of great communication, but there hadn't been anything sexual. Nothing physical whatsoever. At that point, when you threw open the door, was there anything physical that took place on his behalf toward you? No, nothing. Did you want there to be? Absolutely. I believe an emotional affair is... Uh, certainly incites the ideas of what you desire physically, but by God's grace, nothing happened physically. When you called him and said, I'm either staying or going, what's it going to be? And he said, it's up to you. I think I was really trying to convince him to be more open to this. He kept talking about what a hus- an incredible husband I had, and he's <sighs> right. Uh, again, I believe I was just so protected by the Lord because this could have gone so easily the other way. So he was trying to talk you out of it. 
Yeah, you know, I think both of us in, really knew what we should do, but it was just a real internal battle for both of us. Well, and he, he didn't want to be uh, a marriage wrecker. And he said, too, he said the rest of this project would just be a disaster if we pursued this, and what would that do with my ministry and all those things as well. So he's a very honorable man in that respect that he withheld his feelings as well. So you hung up and what? I hung up and, again, by God's grace, called an accountability partner that I had had for years, set up many years back in my uh, young Christian life, and told her what was going on. Why in the world did you do that? I have no idea. I believe, again, it was just God's grace. I mean, at that point, you're deceived. That's true. I mean, you're sending your husband off on spiritual missions. And and you know what your accountability partner is going to tell you when you called her. Didn't you? I mean, she's not going to call and say, oh, well, Judy sounds perfect. Yeah, she said she has no idea why I called and asked her to beat me up, but I did. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about that conversation. You get your friend Holly on the phone and you say, Holly, I need to talk to you. That's right. And I had told her actually a little bit before. So she already knew that I had an interest in this man, but had no idea how far I had allowed my heart to go. She really gave me a dose of reality in big form and talked to me about my vows before the Lord, about my ministry, about my husband, uh, just everything I needed to hear. And But she wasn't telling you anything you didn't already know. No, it's true, Bob, but when you get to that point, you really need somebody to awaken mm-hmm. in you again the yeah. reality because you are deceiving yourself. You're closing your heart to what God wants to tell you. Wow. What an incredible story. And dangerous waters that Judy Starr walked through. I'm so thankful she had a friend in Holly. And it really reminds me, it's important to have community around us. It's important to have those friends who take us back to the truth, take us back to God's Word and what God's journey for us is, and not the dangerous journey that we are walking on. Judy confessed everything to her husband, Stotler, and they began the hard work of processing through this and repairing their marriage. And today, I'm happy to say they are still married and they are still serving God faithfully. And if this is somewhat like your story, or maybe your story happens to be worse and you're going, I just need some help right now, we have some helpful resources at our website. Go to familylifethisweek.com. That's familylifethisweek.com. We'll also have a link to the entire interview so you can hear Judy's conversation with Dennis and Bob. That's at familylifethisweek.com. You know, it's a roundabout way, but I'm just trying to help you have a better Valentine's Day in a way. So here's Michelle tips for you. Take time to listen to your spouse. Take time to appreciate them. And take some time to remember your vows and all that that entails. Oh, and roses and soft lighting and really nice romantic restaurants, they help. So as we're getting closer to Valentine's Day, and while love is in the air for maybe you, there are others that, well, this season can accentuate the loneliness. And next week, Ron Deal is going to help me understand loneliness and how we can better cope with it. So I hope you can join us for that important conversation. Hey, thanks for listening. I want to thank the president of Family Life, David Robbins, along with our co-founder, Dennis Rainey, and our station partners around the country. A big thank you to our engineer today, Keith Lynch. Thanks to our producers, Marcus Holt and Bruce Goff. Justin Adams is our mastering engineer, and Megan Martin is our production coordinator. 
Our program is a production of Family Life Today, and our mission is to effectively develop godly families who change the world one home at a time. I'm Michelle Hill, inviting you to join us again next time for another edition of Family Life This Week. 